Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. What is up, Mets fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Mets Up Podcast, episode number 207. Just wrapped up a four-game series against the Brewers, which the Mets lost again. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, you guys know what's going on. You know what's happening. Let's go ahead and just start talking about it. I ripped the band-aid off. Yeah, I mean, you guys know where to find us at MedStub, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. I don't know, Facebook? We should make, want to make a Facebook page? Nah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, why not? We're, we're there, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time you've been on Facebook, truthfully? Truthfully? Oh, I had um had a friend who I forgot when their birthday was. I went okay. on Facebook last week, actually. It's, it's great for birthdays. Amazing for birthdays. Great for birthdays. I couldn't imagine actually using it otherwise. No. You, 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 guys, you guys know that I go on there every day to look at my memories. And most of the things I see are me as a high schooler talking about how much I love Mike Pelfrey and yeah. how much I like watching Mike Pelfrey games. Well, listen, I mean, Big Pelf was a legend, so. Yeah, Big Pelf was a legend. Um, I don't know. The series like wasn't wasn't that much fun either. <laughs> no. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Similar to our high school days of Mets baseball. It yeah. wasn't that much fun. To put it frankly, it was not a good one. I mean, no. uh, just not not doing enough to win. It's kind of that simple. It's a little bit of a broken record at this point. Yeah, and just, again, lots of just winnable games. Like Very, lots yeah. Of, lots of games. There were like 50-50 plays, a couple decisions here and there. And it's just like you really felt like if something broke our way, you could have won at least two of these games. If not even three of them. Yeah, no. And it's I just, mean, this, this series they very were all well. close games. I think, I think Devin Williams got three saves, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. No, I think he was getting used. Yeah, yeah, a lot, which is mm -hmm. interesting. Um, let's talk about game one. That was uh, Verlander on the mound for us. Labored a little bit. I mean, got yeah. through five, five Ks, one and run. But of course, it wasn't like perfect. No, yeah, not that many whiffs for Verlander. This one, just seven. The fastball again, similar, still not missing bats. Been that way for the last couple of weeks now. Threw a lot of curveballs, looked pretty good. But yeah. fastball on the slider got three whiffs combined on most, on, uh, on 32 total swings. Yeah. That's a low number. And the Brewers saw that pitch in the zone a lot and they were just taking hacks out. They weren't even hitting it that hard. It's just like kept making contact in really annoying ways. And Kept finding it. And then this was the game Drew Smith came back off the suspension. You really felt the fact that this team was playing a man down for the last 10 days. Mm -hmm. And Rusty gave up a big home run to Joey Weimer. Weimer? Weimer. 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 I don't actually... I think it's Weimer. Yeah, I think it is Weimer. He's got yeah. one of the weirdest swings yeah. ever. I mean, I, I like him because he does a lot of really cool things. But also, as we know later in the series, you start talking trash to some Mets fans on Instagram. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. I guess when you win, you can do that. Yeah, you have four hard-hit balls in this game. Mets offense didn't do very much. And they lost. And they lost game one. And they lost. And that then proceeded, or proceeded, is that the right word? Uh, what's the next word you're going to say? I don't know. Steve Cohen's tweet. It uh, pre preluded? Yeah, preluded. Pre I don't know. I don't know. Whatever Prefaced. it was. It came before. <laughs> it, it led to Steve Cohen's tweet where yes. he said basically he was going to have a press conference. He wants to hear, wants you guys to hear it straight from him. Yes. And that's what we had the on Wednesday? That happened after game yeah. two, though. But he did say, I think, after game one that was going to happen. Yes. Yes. And then... After that game, the Mets did come out on Tuesday night and 
Had a great game. Played a good, good, looked, com- good, complete game. Looked really good. Looked really good. Like it was the, like, hey, that's that's the team we're expecting to see more of. And you kind of felt that rhetoric, Twitter, the writers, like everybody was like, wow, like this is a game this team can play. And we watched them play. And there was a little PTSD going into this game because of how bad this stretch has been and seeing Julio Tehran on the, on the bump against them. Because it's like, going into this game, Julio Tehran, his career, had thrown 169 and one-thirds <laughs> innings against the Mets. It's a season. Yes, the whole season. With an ERA under three and only 14 home runs given up. <laughs> but... Julio Tehran was out of baseball for a few years. The Brewers just grabbed him out of nowhere, just have them eat, eating innings for them, not striking out anybody for a couple months now. And being out of baseball as long as he was, Mark, I want to ask you, and the listeners at home, want you to play along as well. How old do you think Julio Tehran is? Yeah, I, I got, he's got to be like 37. Julio Tehran's 32 years old. I mean, I won't curse Vito, but I, I think we all know <laughs> yeah. what I want to say there. He's 32? 32. Came up when he was 20 in 2011. What? Isn't that insane to think about? 32 years old. He was basically out of baseball when he was 29 or 30. It's younger than John. It is younger than John. John's like 100. John's, John's old. John's with his kid. Good, good for him, I guess, after this <laughs> series. But yeah, Julio Tehran. 32 years old. Yeah, I mean, it was nice to see that they hit him. Because like yeah. you said, we've really never hit him in, a, no. in 170 innings A full of season lives. against the Mets in his career all those years with the Braves. Awful. But he's out there throwing 88-mile-an-hour sinkers. And we did. We did. We had, we had four home runs off him. He had 14 the whole career in 170 innings going into this <laughs> game. Raised the career year right for Julio Tehran off the Mets from 298 to about 3-3, which was, felt good. Nimmo Doran back-to-back. Not back-to-back. They had two home runs. Not, not back-to-back. They're not hitting back-to-back in the order. Nemo hit another one in the fifth inning. Swinging the bat really well. Yeah, three home runs this series. Yeah, which is great. We love to see, like, the progression of Nemo's game. We've said how, like, well he's been this year, how good he's been defensively, how good he's been at the plate, on base, all that stuff. And now we're starting to see the power come along. I think he's got 11 home runs on the season, yeah. which has definitely got to be the highest think, pace of his career. I think it was 12 after today. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was 11. Okay. Pretty sure. Well, like, 90% sure. And Nemo and Dora, they're both vying to be reserves for the All-Star uh, ballot. Voting ended on Thursday afternoon. Lindor didn't make it in the final vote, which is frustrating. I think he's having a really good year. Probably all-star worthy. Same with Brandon Nimmo, I think, probably. Yeah. So hopefully these guys get to Seattle, get to that game. But just really felt good to clobber a pitcher who'd killed the Mets for years. 100%. And seeing Vogel swing the bat well, too. Like, that's always good to see Vogel back, getting back to a little bit of a hot streak here. Tommy Pham, big-time Tommy. I mean, if there's if there's anything going right, it's Tommy Pham. This guy has just low-key been the best player on the Mets. Yeah, he has been the best player on the Mets. He's been the best hitter on the Mets. Like, he's just, he's, he's crying. I think he actually now literally, after Thursday's game, I tweeted it out, officially has the highest OPS on the team. Finally passed Pete Alonso and you, Brandon Nemo. You and Mike Petriello uh, hit the nail on the head. Me and Mike Petriello, two great baseball minds, really knew that Tommy Pham could be a difference maker for this team. I, I thought it'd be, uh, I, I, I thought it'd be better, but. Yeah. <laughs> you thought the difference would be like, wow, the Mets are like really good and Tommy Pham makes them incredible. If you told me Tommy Pham would have an A4 of the OPS heading into the All-Star break, I would have been like, really wow, good. this team is crushing. Yeah. But it's not. And no. one other cool thing that happened on Tuesday, Dave Peterson made his return to the major leagues and did pitch well. He wound up six innings, no earned runs, three walks, five strikeouts, and only five hard hit balls. He did run into some control issues early in the game. It seemed like some just kind of combination of like nerves and discomfort, which... That has gotten to better Peterson a few times, but he really did relax. He didn't record the strikeout until the fourth inning, but then five of his last seven outs recorded were strikeouts. And I feel like we've seen that from him in the past where he just kind of gets like in that role and that rhythm, and he yeah. does just like become nasty for a bit. Yes, and something very interesting that happened to Peterson in this game. Every single ball in play by the Brewers either had a launch angle. Every I'll say it differently. Every single ball in play by the Brewers had a launch angle 12 or lower besides one, and it was 63 degrees, so a pure pop-up really in the air. So, so basically... No well-hit fly balls and only a smattering of line drives. So lots and lots of ground balls, which is amazing to get that type of uh, batted ball contact. And just looked more confident as the game went on, looked much more comfortable. His slider, which we've talked about a lot this year, became much more of a chase pitch for him. He just threw it 
out of the strike zone more, only 38 were thrown in the zone, which is lower than the season average, which is closer to where he was last year, which is really good adjustment. And it was good. And Peterson going six innings, and this, this streak was broken by um, by Max in game. He did still pitch well, but Max in game three. The Mets now, after this entire series, 22 and four when they start this complete six innings, 14 and 41 when they do not. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a clear kind of puzzle here of like, how did the Mets get to win? Just need to get some length out of the pitchers because as we've seen, like the bullpen beleaguered time and time and again has just been overused. Oh, uh, you know, guys being used in situations that they're not comfortable with. I think Jerry Blevins was doing a really good job on us and why talking about it. Like, yeah, like it's when you when the pitchers can't go deep into the games, it doesn't really affect the guys like Robertson Ottavino as much. It affects the guys who are now being thrown into scenarios where like instead of pitching once every three days, they're not pitch, pitching once every two days or just being used more often. I think you're starting to see that a little bit with the Mets. But yeah, like you said, I mean, this one was the positive one. This one was the good one. I feel like it's not like wrong to say after that game, we're like, okay, hold on. Yeah, no. There's life. There's life here. Because like, I mean, let's be honest, it's not been looking great. But to see the Mets swing the bat that well, I know it was Julio Tehran, but yeah. to see him swing the bat well with some power, with some pop, was was exciting. Exciting. And you grab the win in the David Peterson start this year. He's like, okay, we got two games. We got... Sanga Scherzer. Yeah, and basically, basically, the two good. Best, basically the two best pitchers in rotation all year. You got to grab a couple of those. And then before this happened, though, we had the Steve Cohen press conference, though, which became a, a national news event, yeah. more or less. Like, they're, they're everyone, everyone and their mothers came through to watch this press conference at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It wound up starting about 4.03, 4.04 on Wednesday afternoon. And, I mean, like, just, like, what was your gut reaction from the press conference? I thought it was solid. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's a lot of people in the world that thought this or that was going to happen. And I mean, that's just absolutely insane. I don't no. know how you could possibly think that. Yeah, people were expecting grand gestures, like public executions. It wasn't going to happen. This no. was going to be, I think I, I think it was exactly what I think a lot of us expected. He was very contrite, very honest about yeah. being disappointed where the team's at right now. But he also added some levity. Like, it was fun to see him, like, kind of joke around with a lot of the reporters. Like, he was messing around with Tacoma, Tim Healy. Like, it was, it was, it was cool to see him. Kind of just like get back and forth. I have some repartee with these guys. He still, he still has faith in his current group, players, management. He said he's still looking for a president of baseball operations. He said that right person hasn't come along yet. And everyone's aware of that inside the organization. He did say also, like if things continue the way they're going, there's going to be there's going to be probably not much hesitation to start selling off parts and start building yeah. assets for the next couple of years, which I think makes a lot of sense. And we kind of saw the way. I forgot who asked this. It might have been Disha. I can't recall though. Might have been. Yeah. Might have been. Oh, there's also another funny story. I'm just going to say this because even though we're on the air. Remember I told you about that girl I met in Tulum, like under snorkeling group with yes. us? Lifelong best friends of Disha Thosar. Huh, yeah, was, right? That was random. Amazing, right? We'd love to connect with And her. we met that guy today who is like a musician. Yeah. Who was also in Tulum at the same time. Yeah, bizarre. Weird things happen. We had, we had a good, good, good social time before the game today. But yeah, Steve just said a lot of good things. And he talked about talking about trading and the possibility of selling and talking about the Eduardo Escobar trade specifically. He considers all the money that's been spent on these players money spent. Which I think is super unique. I don't think yes. that's something you hear from ownership a lot in any sport of yes. any kind. Of like, usually if there's going to be trades of players with contracts, they're trying to move those contracts. Yes. Where here, it's like, we've, I've spent this money already. Yes. Now I want to get assets back for someone who has value. And it's also funny to hear him like colloquially talk about the fact that like building a team through through free agency takes a lot of money. Yes. Like we know that's very obvious. And he's saying, like, I know it's unsustainable. We want to do it for these first couple of years. And he kept saying, like, before they got the the, um, the system in place ready to go. He talked about the pack. The pitching lab was only a year old. 
We also know from someone boots on the ground, shout out my buddy works for the Astros, that the Mets facility in the DSL, Dominican Summer League, is apparently phenomenal. Nice. Which is great. You, you really felt, Steve, like pushing that, the fact that that's, you want that to be a lifeblood of this team. You want that to be a lifeblood of the organization. You see the best teams in baseball, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Astros, now like the new model organizations looking mm -hmm. like maybe the Orioles. The Rangers are on their way at that point. You're Diamondbacks. Kind of, Diamondbacks. You kind of see that these teams had massive regime changes, and it did take three or four years for these farm systems to then become like the monsters that they are. And you saw Steve really pushing that, that that is still the objective, that is still the goal. And I think that, at the end of the day, as disappointing as results on the field have been 2023, you still feel like a lot of pieces of this organization are going in the right direction. No, 100%. And Big point, though, we did say overall, yeah. again, this fourth-place team, this wasn't the goal. No, of course not. And we all know that, we all feel that, and that that's it. I think the way that everybody should interpret that press conference or feel about that press conference is like, it's just like something had to be said, obviously. Yes. And he did, he took a lot of the blame. He was like, look, put the blame on me. Like I built this team. Like this is my, this is my team that I own. So it's on me as, as much as anybody else. And I think like you don't hear that too often in a no. sport where you can just make a move here. You can make a move there. And there goes the blame. For the owner to take the blame on himself when he, he doesn't have to, yeah, is and, is kind of refreshing. And being just so like up like obvious and upfront, the fact that like yeah, I spent a lot of money. It's not really working out. Yeah, not like, pretending other, like they're playing well. Yeah, like a lot of other owners would spend a quarter of that amount of money and and, and literally freak out. Yeah, and, and completely re rework the entire direction of the organization. It's like yeah, we still got a lot of good things going on behind the scenes. I'm disappointed. You guys disappointed. Like it's hard. It's like I'm here every day. Like I understand. I'm seeing this and it sucks. Moment of levity for you listeners. Something else very, very <laughs> incredible happened during this press conference. Completely unrelated. Unrelated. Yeah, not but, even close. But my, my favorite baseball player, Tommy Pham, one of my favorite people now suddenly in the entire world, just set off the tweet of the year. And I know John's not here, but I want Vito to get the bleep button ready. But I want to set the scene for you guys. So some random fantasy baseball guy who I actually do follow tweeted, like, hitters in baseball with 150 plate appearances, a barrel rate above 13%, a contact rate above 75%. And the list went Ronald Acuna Jr., Vlad Guerrero, Jordan Alvarez, Corey Seager, Tommy Pham, Matt McClain. Which, by the way, some of the best hitters in baseball. Yes, and then Tommy Pham, because <laughs> who right now is hitting like one of the best hitters in baseball. And then this guy decided to reply to himself, poke the bear, if you will, yeah. say, I tweeted this to flatter my biggest fan, Tommy Pham himself. It's Crazy a screenshot move. of Tommy Pham's account to say that Tommy Pham follows him. And he didn't even follow him back. No. A little rude, a little disrespectful. Yeah, all very disrespectful. And I think, I think Tommy Pham felt a little disrespected because then he said, get the button ready, Vito, nah, f*** you. <laughs> I followed you because my boy sent me something you posted regarding me. Now you think you're big time. You ain't shit. Remember that. I just like, there's so, there's so much like interaction that goes on between like people like around baseball media and baseball players themselves. And you kind of never see that third wall or fourth wall, whatever wall that is. Fourth wall. That fourth yeah. wall get broken where there's any actually interaction between them. To see that tweet come across the timelines now up to... 760,000 impressions and 2,700 <laughs> likes, 83 bookmarks too. One of them being my own. It was, it was a pinnacle moment of sports and baseball Twitter itself. And to see the fancy baseball world collide with the Mets world is beautiful for me. And what's like so funny too is in Game Three, Tommy Pham proceeded to hit an absolute bomba and nuke yeah. like Piss immediately missile. after after putting out that tweet. And let's just to like to quickly give you a little breakdown on Tommy Pham here and how good he's been. I don't have it with the new numbers for tonight. Yeah, no, John. But coming into the game. Tommy Pham in the month of June, or yeah, month of June, is hit, was hitting 321 with a 365 on base, 603 slugging, 967 OPS, five homers, seven doubles, 17 RBIs. I mean, it's unbelievable. It's crazy. It's a, crazy. A lot of Mets fans out there wanted him cut in, in April when this after team, after like a week where yeah, it was like he didn't he didn't hit a home run every time when this team was playing well. Now Tommy Pham <laughs> has like stats of some of the best hitters in all of baseball. It's pretty crazy. And um, 
Do you want to talk about Kodai second for game three? Because it was another one of these starts for Sango where it was a bit of a slow start. That first inning was incredibly erratic. Fastballs were not hitting their spots. The ghost forks were so far out of the zone, the hitters were easily, easily laying off them. And it looked like it could be a start where he had to really labor. But something that Kodai's done a lot this year is really bear down, find his effectiveness. And you you really have to look at this Mets team to find silver linings. And again, Tommy Pham, I think Kodai Sango is another massive one. He really, really focused on his cutter after that first inning. He only threw one the first inning, and he threw... I don't have that right now, but he threw, threw many more the rest of the game. He became his third most thrown pitch of the game. He really didn't throw any breaking balls at all. No sweepers, no curveballs, no sliders. It was just fastball, ghost fork, and then that cutter being that third weapon that he's been using as like a different bit of like a called strike pitch and soft contact pitch, which is huge. He only did get through those five innings, but he got enough whiffs to win Mark the Estimate. We'll get yes. to that in a moment, but then also got eight strikeouts, only two earned runs. Definitely put the team in position to win the game. I'm going to give you the, the big baseball world. Uh, gutsy. Yeah, gutsy, gutsy performance. performance. Like... For Kodai Senga, a guy who we said is going to have peaks and valleys, to see that this is maybe like one of those valleys, yeah, where a start that could have gotten very much away from him. There were no easy innings from the get go. It was it was rough, like you say, just didn't have the command, wasn't that sharp. But to see him be able to push through to get to the fifth inning, only giving up two runs, still getting eight strikeouts, still getting those swings and misses on that ghost fork, is it's very encouraging signs. Like a guy that you're looking at and you're going, okay, like this is a real time pitch. This is a real good pitcher. No, for us. especially as he's still getting comfortable with the major league workload and schedule and adjustments. That was the I think only the second time he's pitched on regular rest. Uh, oh, major league American rest, I guess is what you could call yeah, it. Good tidbit. Yeah, but again, this is another game. The offense just they they just didn't they couldn't do enough. We had a Tommy Pham nuke, and then we had the bases loaded, no outs. I believe it was the fourth inning. And Francisco Alvarez drew a base loaded walk. And then Brett Beatty struck out, and Mark Canna smoked a ground ball double play. Tough at bat for Brett Beatty, yeah. too. He pretty much didn't see a strike yeah. and struck out. Uh, it was the, there was some suspect stuff going on with the uh, officiating crew, you can yeah. say. There was a big call, yeah. specifically the Joey Weimer one. Yeah, against Adam Adovino. Against Adam Adovino, where he, he very much swung. I mean, yeah, it's, very clearly. it's clear as day that Joey Weimer swung. Hit him in the hand. For yeah. sure hit him. Definitely. But he swung, so that's not a hit by pitch. And that completely kind of changed the whole outcome of the inning because now Christian Yelich comes to the plate. Christian Yelich gets a big hit. It's just... And that got the Brewers their insurance. Yeah. Howie drops a very famous line. He says a lot of time, Ron Mea culpa. Yeah. Because he goes, Ron Culpa was at the first base, and he's the one who didn't um, didn't Did- ring up Joey Weimer, even though the bat went like around. And it went around a weird way. Like I do understand how For that sure. could be missed, but like on the replay, and we have the benefit as fans of seeing these slow-motion replays and being like, And having Whoa. eyes. Yeah, that's, that's another good point. <laughs> yeah, I did have eyes, but... Yeah, it was rough. Then you lose that game when you head into game four on Thursday. One cool thing happened before that, though. We did interview Francisco Lindor, yes. which was great. And it was awesome. It was amazing. Great guy. Good good, good interview, good answers, good questions, of course. Yeah, for you. we'll get a little, little fist bump yeah. there. We're looking at a rough estimate of Tuesday for it to drop for you guys. Mm-hmm. A little 10-minute interview with uh, Francisco Lindor. It was like 12. Yeah, okay. Yeah. A little right. 12. 10, 12? 10, 12 minutes. Yeah, I would say about I would say about ten to eleven. Okay, yeah. we'll take that. All right, we'll take that. Yeah, That's I mean fine. it was it was cool. It's also like seeing Francisco Lindor. We've seen him up close like before because we're on the field, but it's different. You're sitting yeah. next to the guy. He's absolutely yoked. He's crazy. Did jacked. not know he had it like that. He's like he's built like like I'm on green, like a like a strong running back. Like we posted the picture and everything on Twitter and Instagram, and people are like, I can't tell if he's huge or <laughs> yeah. if you guys are really small. We're like both. Both. Yeah. Both. Both are true. Of it. Like yeah. five nine here. Yeah. James. Uh, five seven soaking wet. Short kings. <laughs> Francisco Lindor just pulling up with the, the sleeveless shirt on. Yeah. Making no, us look real small. Really shows us up there. Yeah. And he, he was. She showed us. I mean, Bobby shows after he rocked a great outfit heading into the park today. I kind of wish we got him in that one. That was yeah. fresh. It was no, like it was clean. It's like flower pants and like cool shirt. He's gonna give you guys some style tips. So that's that's yeah. our little uh, little preview for you with the Francisco Lindor interview. And then, of course, game four happened. Yeah. I mean, Scherzer looked good. He did. I mean, Scherzer looked good until he gave up the home run to Victor Caratini, who 
Owns he him. owns the Mets and owns Max Scherzer. He also owned Jacob DeGrom when he was here. Like, yep. I, it's crazy the quality of pitchers that Victor Caratini just absolutely dominates against. And, yeah, that sixth inning home run was, like, painful. All of a sudden, you're just like, oh, my God, that ball's gone. Like, yeah. what just happened? It was uh, one cool thing that Scherzer did in this game, though, that got him along, was that he really mixed the changeup and the curveball much more than his slider. We've heard him talk about at length this year the fact that he has struggled at times that slider this year. He went through it 13% of the time, while 19% curveballs, 18% changeups, even 13% cutters. So it's something that Scherzer's done a lot this year, which is kind of throw that mixed bag at hitters more than just yeah. being the fastball slider guy he's been most of his career. And it worked really well. Like, you go six innings, two runs. That's a good start. It's a great start. Quality start. It's good. Enough, it's good, definitely good enough to win your team a game. Should be good enough to win your team a game. Yes. Should and then be. we got back-to-back home runs by Brett Beatty. First home run since May 19th. That was a great moment for Brett because he has been swinging the bat a bit better. We were watching him take BP today. Because we, we, we were here. Ball. We were at the stadium since two because we were getting ready for the Francisco Lindor interview, and we were just watching guys take BP. Brett Beatty, like we've we've talked about it a lot. It takes fascinating BP. Like it's it's all dr- or mouth or jaw dropping, jaw dropping. Yeah. He hits the ball to left center field like 430 feet. Like nothing. He put one like six rows up in left center that only had an exit velocity and the stadium score of 89 miles an hour. Yeah, he's just Because so he got strong. under it so well with so much backspin. It just got carried in the in the wind and the Canadian smoke that filled City Field. It, <laughs> it was an impressive set of BP, and it was cool to see him hit that home run. But then the game then, then yeah, the game got weird late. TJ McFarland came in the seventh inning. Second day in a row. Second day in a row. TJ McFarland, for most of his career, has pitched in the minor leagues. He's... And the inning kind of got out of hand, and then that was it. I mean, that was it. Yeah, we had yeah. we had some rallies here, like Danny Mandick pinch hit for Brett Beatty, and he hit that hard ground ball to Brian Anderson that he booted, so that gave us a little bit of life. Yeah, Stelling Marte had two at bats to the bases loaded, one in the eighth and one uh, seventh, eighth, eighth, I think. Yeah, one in the eighth and one in the ninth, or one at, too late in the game, one in the ninth, and one time he ground to a double play with the base loaded. No, it would have been seventh. Seventh. Yeah, seventh. seventh. Yeah, seventh, and the ninth he struck out on three pitches. Devin Williams, as a vivacious City Field uh, fan, screamed. Don't swing at everything. Yeah. He, swung, he swung at all three. Yeah, it was, a, it was a quick, quick loss. Yeah, it was. And that, that Devin Williams airbender is such a crazy pitch. Absolutely filthy. It's it, it moves as if it was a left-handed pitcher throwing a slider. Like it cuts into the righties and it goes like so. It's it even on TV it looks like it's going completely down the middle until it completely bails out of the strike zone. It's definitely one of the most unique pitches in baseball. It's it's it's. It was crazy. I saw we were watching. And I was like, Brandon Nimmo's never taken a swing like, swing like that. And yeah. it's not because like it was a bad swing. It was like it looked like it was a fastball until it wasn't. And he was like, oh my god, yeah, where did it go? It's the airbender. Especially because like coming out of that right arm slot and cutting outside to lefties. They're so. I don't think it's. I mean, I, we should look this up, I guess. But yeah, just we, we had to get this episode going. It's late at night. Just I don't know if there's any pitch in baseball that moves that far away coming I don't think from so. that arm. I don't think so. I don't think so. Either. I don't think you're gonna find one. It's basically like a screwball on steroids. It's kind of like, and this is a little again, a little teaser to the preview for the Giants series. The fact that Tyler Rogers throw like kind of reverses his slider and his fastball, like his slider becomes a pitch with the rising action because he has the gyro spin, but he throws submarine, so it goes up on the hitters, and the fastball goes down on hitters. Yeah, but that was the Brewers series. Yeah, I mean, wasn't that much fun? Lost three or four. Not a fun one. Really, no way to say it. You guys know. You watched. You saw. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, let's talk about Estimate here. No John here, because of course, new father, hanging out with the baby. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take this one on ourselves, I guess. All I right. won the last Estimate. You did. It was 21 on combined whiffs by Kodai Senga and Colin Ray. Mm-hmm. I believe I had 16 and you had 15. Or... No, I think it was 18, 18 19. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. And we both said we wanted to say 21. Yeah. If you remember that, we were both no, like original numbers were going to be 21. Yeah. Boy, would we have been right I on know. the money. That's that pretty impressive. Funny. So I'm moving to one now, back, yes, right? one back. One back. Don't let the boy get hot. I mean, we, we saw last year I got hot and didn't mean anything. So yeah. as we're approaching the all-star break here, 
Whoever loses, of course, will be wearing a full Mets jersey and uniform and cleats and eye black and everything to a game after the All-Star break. Yeah. So there's Probably a little bit on the line. A Sunday game, an episode game. Yeah, a Sunday game for yeah. sure, so that you guys can at least yeah. get a full episode out of <laughs> yeah. us looking absolutely insane. Mark with well. Tuxedo got off scot free. Yeah, I, it was nice and easy. It was just in the Darren interview. Yeah, right. So John texted us uh, the estimate for this one. He said total hits and runs, uh, total hits, runs, RBIs by former Mets players this weekend. Of course, we are playing the San Francisco Giants, who have quite a few. This will mm-hmm. be the first time that Michael Conforto is back to City Field, which is going to be super interesting. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. J.D. Davis as well. Is there any? Uh, Wilmer Flores. Yeah. Of course, we have Wilmer Flores. And I don't think there's any others that are on the roster right now because Darren Ruff is no longer on that team. No, he's on the Brewers. He was on the IL, wow. like, thankfully. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, I mean, this is an interesting one. Hits, runs, RBIs by those three guys in a three-game series. I got a number. I got a number. Like, Michael Conforto, I think, just recently has started playing again. I think he just like was missing a couple games, injury here and there. I think they give him a lot of rest. J.D. Davis, same thing, I think, had been kind of on the mend a little bit. Yeah. They give him rest here and there. I mean, that's what the Giants do. They don't play guys every day mm-hmm. to begin with. doesn't matter how well you're playing. Wilmer Flores, same thing, very much like in a platoon role, player-esque type role. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with this one. You, you, you think you got a number? I think I do have a number. Okay, I got a number too. Vito, you want to count us down? Five. Ooh, five. No, that's still, you got to edit this. You want Ten. <laughs> you nine, said short episode. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, nine. Six. Okay, cool. Six, nine. Six, nine. Nice. Six, nine. Nice. Rat. He's a Met fan, though, I think. But yeah. Rat. Yeah, major rat. <laughs> major rat. All right, now let's talk about this Giants series because that's what everybody really wants to hear about, I'm sure. Yes. Give me the pitching matchups for this one, James. Pitching matchups this series, we have Carlos Carrasco versus Alex Cobb on Friday night. Alex Cobb has been in the IL. Oh, he's back. With yeah, an oblique strain. Looks like he's due back Friday. Wonderful, Saturday, thanks. Yeah, 4 o'clock home game. We do love the 4 o'clock home game, which was under better circumstances. Yeah. Justin Verlander was Anthony DiSclefani. Tony Disco. Tony Disco. New York, or New Jersey, New York guy. He's local. Yeah, and then Sunday... ESPN game, for some reason, David Peterson versus we don't know yet for the Giants. Yeah, well, that, that, that feels like a very Giants thing to do. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's too far away. Yeah, it's no. too many days in advance. I mean, hey, you guys should come out on Sunday night. It's a good way to not listen to ESPN. Yeah, I mean, hey, shout out David Cohn. Shout out David Cohn, friend, friend of the podcast. Same we love Edward, David. Same with Eduardo Nunez. Of course. Both friends of the podcast. Eduardo Perez. Eduardo Perez. Wow. I do that a couple times it a happens. year. It happens. I know. You're not, you're not a names guy all the time. I'm not a names guy. No. I'm not a faces guy either. Yeah, what are you? I don't know. What are you? What are you? <laughs> Figure it out. I'm an amoeba. But yeah, so those are the pitching matchups for you. We went through a bunch of the hitters, like J.D. Davis, Michael Conforto having great years. Yeah. Lamont Wade is crushing right-handed pitching. I mean, the dude's absolutely mashing. The Giants are also blazing hot right now. Yeah, like, they're, they, like, they really are. They just lost series to the Blue Jays. They got completely spun around by Chris Bassett on Thursday. <laughs> 12, 12 strikeouts, I think six or seven innings. But before that, they had a... A 10-game winning streak a couple weeks ago. That's, that's through how the, you get through, Yeah, through the Cardinals, the Cubs, the Dodgers, and the Padres. Back-to-back sweeps the Dodgers and the Padres. Put them in second place in the NOS behind the Red Hot Diamondbacks. What I would do for a 10-game winning streak. What would you do? What would I do? Yeah. For a 10-game winning streak oh right now. Oh, my God. I just, I don't even just know. rattle off 10 in a row. What would I do? I'd, like... I, I, there's so many things I would do. It's hard for me to narrow it down. Yeah. Yeah. Would you eat, would you eat gluten? Oh, for sure. Would you eat, like, a whole piece, like a pie of pizza pie? 
hundred percent. Yeah, I would. I would incapacitate myself for like that. Would be like three I or think four days. Me and you will share it. I'll have because like <laughs> yeah, dairy's dairy is bad for me. Gluten, you yeah. can have the gluten for a ten game win streak. The boys are eating pizza live on the podcast. <laughs> How about this? If the Mets break off a ten game win streak, we'll eat. We'll eat. Oh, we'll share our pizza on the podcast. Yeah, you guys will watch us both become horribly ill. <laughs> Very I'm, so, I'm so in for that. Yeah, I'm in. All right. Packed. High five. That's yeah. that's for you guys at home. We'll do it. We'll do it for this <laughs> team to get hot. I'll do it. A hundred percent. I'll make myself sick. My but. gastrointestinal health. I think something cool to shout out about the Giants. I talked about Tyler Rogers being just the fact that like a completely reverse pitcher. You guys saw the submarine when we went out to San Francisco. Alvarez's first home run of the season that was. Yes. Remember off that? Yeah, started that hot streak for him. But they have probably the most underrated relief pitcher in baseball, and that is one of my favorite pitchers in baseball. Camilo Doval. Camilo Doval. Camilo Doval is someone who came up two years ago, and I watched him pitch one day, just like random, just scrolling through LB TV at night. I was like, who the heck is this guy? No, you go, hmm. Like, this is different than the other stuff. He's, he's got a little something, doesn't he? Bless you, Vito. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then he, he came up very briefly in 2021, and then he just couldn't really find the strike zone. His stuff was all over the place, and he went back down to the minor leagues. When he came up that first time, he was throwing like kind of a wide slider and a bit of a four-seam fastball. Just yeah. the fastball is more straight. And the Giants were like, you know what? We tried to make you do something that we don't know if you could actually do. So we want you to do things you're really comfortable with. And we heard Kevin Gaussman talk about the fact that the Giants revived his career a few years ago, basically saying, we only want you to do the things that we know you're quite good at. Which now. makes sense, yes. by the way. And that was also 2021 season. Yeah. So then they sent him back down. He came back up throwing a sinker, as we like to call them, the demon sinkers on this, on this show. And it's like filthy. a bit of a tighter slider. And he, since that adjustment, has been quite literally one of the best pitchers in baseball. Right now he's a 195 ERA. He's striking out... 34% of hitters, still walking 10% of hitters, so that's a bunch, but he's rocking like a 58% ground ball rate. All of those stats are basically on par with Emmanuel Classe, yeah. who's widely known as like the be- one of the best relievers in all of baseball. You, if, if you guys didn't miss him that last series of play against the Giants, you're going to watch Camille Duvall pitch, you'd be like, that's, that's just not normal. Like, like, how do you hit that? Yeah, it's not, it's not just simply not supposed to happen. He's only 25 years old, too, which is quite young for a reliever breaking out Very this much. Young. And he... He's 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 really really good. Yeah, he's he's the real deal. I mean, this this Giants team is gonna have like a lot of names. You're like, who? What? Like, yeah. well, well, this guy, Brandon Crawford, still exists. Jack Peterson, Patrick Bailey is their new young rookie catcher who's Playing been swinging well. the bat really really well. Is he Ohio State guy? No, you're thinking of um oh D- Dylan, Dylan. Yeah, Dingler. I am yeah. thinking of Dingler. 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 Yeah. Okay. Same. Draft. Bailey was Florida State, I believe. No, NC State. NC State. NC State. He was, State. He was a red good State. ball player. Yeah. He was a very very good defensive catcher, and he's really learned how to hit because that's what the Giants do with everybody. It seems like switch mm-hmm. hitter as well. Just straight up good ball player. Uh, there's your next Buster Posey for the next ten years for the Giants. Yeah, right. Tyro Estrada is really coming to his own this year. He's been one of the most valuable shortstops in baseball in terms of WRC plus WAR. We looking at no. I'm just I'm just guess. looking at this team. Just they they're all hitting. No, yeah, they're all hitting. They're playing some of the best ball in baseball. They're, they've surged over the last month. And uh, something else, two other cool prospects come up for this team recently. One started hot, got a little cold. Another one started hot, might also be getting a little cold. But they're still both I think pretty good players. At least regulars forever. One's Casey Schmidt. Yep. I believe he's an Oregon product. If I'm he not was mistaken. San Diego State. San Diego State. Wow. San Diego State. I don't know where you got that one. Uh, it's, I'm I'm all over the place. We've been in the stadium for nine hours right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. It's like but, a work um, day for us. <laughs> yeah. Real right, basically. Yeah. yeah. But with the Mets game in between. But Casey Schmidt's a lights out fielder at third base. Actually, even playing a tiny bit of shortstop. A little shortstop. A little bit shortstop. Yeah, when, when Crawford was because he came up when he got injured. But yes, he's still been playing. Mixes in. He's a good ball player. He played Luis, second base the other night too. He's just a good fielder, good glove. And Luis Matos come up, came up for them recently. Luis Matos was considered one of the breakout prospects in baseball two years ago. He was top ten ranked on some of the more aggressive, especially fancy baseball lists because his prowess on the base paths. And he had a really, really just rough 2022. Just Bad. completely fell by the wayside. Looked like he was kind of. One of those guys who were going to toppling into being a non-prospect. And then suddenly, 
Towards the end of that year, he got a little hot, showed some life. And this year, he completely smoked double A and triple A. And 21 years old, he's playing center field for his Giants team every single day. Yeah. And his plate discipline's amazing. Chase rate's well better than league average. His, um, his whiff rate's well better than league average. As of a couple days ago, when I had tweeted about him on Sunday, he was walking more than he was striking out so far in his young career. That's a very good ball player. At only 21 years old. Looks like he has a lot to grow into as well. Very fun. Keep an eye out for him. Every time I hear Luis Matos, I always think of Luis Matos from the Baltimore Orioles, uh, who played from 2000-2006. How much? How, what career war do you think he had? Negative 1.4. 4.7. Wow. But that guy lives rent-free in my brain, and I can't tell you why. I think yeah, I no went re- to an no Orioles reason. opening day one year, and he hit a home run. Wow. So, That's any of you O's fans out there, if there are. Because you think any Orioles fans are listening to the show? There's one. There's one? I, can, I guarantee it. If you're an Orioles fan, tweet at us. We transcend the Mets yes. community. And shout out the listeners out there who are tweeting at our buddy Ernie. There's a bunch of you guys. Yeah, so keep, that doing was cool. keep doing yeah. it. Keep doing it. Anytime. More. Yeah, the Mar- Marlins are playing good baseball still. Jesus was rather through a gem on Thursday night. Just let, let Ernie know tomorrow in his mentions. At subtape underscore. S-U-B-T-A-P-E underscore. Otherwise, uh, I think this is going to be a quick one for you guys here. Uh, welcome back to the country, me and James. We were both in different countries, England and Mexico, so it feels good to be back. We will catch you guys after the Giants series, after a late night uh, against the San San Diego, San Francisco Giants. It's getting late. It's getting late. Where are they going to follow you on Twitter, James? James underscore Shiano. At Draftneck Mark with the C. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching. Keep an eye out for the next episode and the Lindor interview. Peace out. Peace out. See you guys next time.